Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the July 23rd episode, and as always, we answer those fantasy football questions that you need to win your fantasy league. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Today, one of our most popular guests, Neil Dutton. Over from the pond, Rotoviz, number fire, four for four, Roto Underworld, the Waxing Lyrical podcast, hilarious, great mind funny as heck. I just wind him up and let him go here for an hour. Follow him on Twitter, ndutton13, one of the all-timers. Neil Dutton, welcome back to the mailbag. It's always a pleasure to be back. I say it's, it's, it's good to have a, a regular rotation because there's a good chance people have forgotten the jokes I told last time, so I can just use them again. <laughs> Neil, man, you got so much great stuff going on. Rotoviz, of course, for years. Number fire, four for four football now. You, I relied on you on the Roto Underworld draft kit. I mean, talk about what's going on and how you got through the last year with COVID. Um, well, I, I was sent home from work um, last March uh, because um, I was technically vulnerable. Um, so I was allowed, <laughs> I was allowed 10 days special leave. So that was in March. I remember saying to someone, okay, I'll see you in April. And um, yeah, that didn't go so well. So I've <laughs> had one day in the office since last March. So I've been working from wow. home. And it's it's been interesting. Um, I hate my co-workers because it's just me. Um, and, you know, he, he's, he's a mouthy idiot. Um, but no, I'm, I'm getting by. It's It's been different. I've The one goal I did have when I, when I was homebound was I said I was going to lose some weight um, and in that time I've lost three stone so I feel a lot better Wow! Um, I, I, pro- I, I, I flatter myself that I look a lot better um, I still write the same garbage um, but you know I, I'm proceeding well, that's great to hear, and you have lost a lot of weight. We'll get into that in a minute. you got some great things going on, but we will start, of course, with the most popular question. What do you think of your Scott Fishbowl team? Um, hate isn't a strong enough word. Um, <laughs> that was me last year. That was me last year. I, it's, to be honest, I'm not too upset with that. I, I determined I was going to go quarterback early. I wanted to get that out of the way at the first – because I heard – Scott Fish himself talking to um, our, our friend, uh, Mr. Kelly, saying that he wanted two quarterbacks in the first six rounds. So I said, yep. well, if the if the organiser of this event wants to do that, that sounds like a good strategy. Yeah, of course. So I got um, Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers out of the way quickly. And then, not a conscious decision, I seem to have ignored running back. Uh, so I've ended up with uh, Cam Akers, which I'm not upset about. Uh, but then, round three, that's a great pick, round three. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But then a bunch of satellite backs who I'll, I'll hate starting them every week. But I've got a plethora of wide receivers, and I've got a few tight ends that I don't mind. So it's 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 one of those, I either want to win it, which I won't, or I want to come last, which I might. There's there's no room for in between in this type of thing, I don't think. Well, and you're in the EL, ELO conference, and you're still drafting, Neil. One of the slowest, I would say, drafting conferences. I thought we were bad at Dave Matthews. You got two picks left here, so this is exciting. By the time this drops, it will be over. Uh, tell me, Neil, are, are you eyeing someone in round 21 and 22 here? What do you think? Well, I, I think that I'm, I say I'm quite happy with the roster I've got. You know, from I think I could name a starting lineup for week one. So I think I'm going to I'm going to play a gamble. And anyone who knows me knows there are... I like to move on from players before they become attached to my heart. But there are a few that I will love till the end of time. So I am tempted with that 22nd round pick to pick Duke Johnson. Just on, you know, waiting for someone to pick him up. And if he doesn't, yeah, then we, we can laugh we can laugh at each other as the, as the team actually plays while he sits on the <laughs> sideline. But I have to be loyal to, you know, to some people in life. And no kicker yet. Am I am I looking at this correctly? You've not got kicker. No kickers. No. I, I know uh, Denny Carter will you know will, will look down his nose at me. But to be fair, most of the things I do, Denny looks down his nose at me. So I will continue with that in that vein. <laughs> 
Well, something I rely on you heavily for is your fantasy advice, specifically NFC East. I remember we were doing the Road of His Team previews. Colin Kelly had those going on years ago. You always did such an amazing job in the NFC East, so I thought we would start there. I'm going to go team by team, give you my quick reaction, and then tell me if I'm nuts and what your reaction is. Dallas, right off the bat, I know people are saying a big year for Zeke, and I know we had a picture of him doing some contraption kneel at a workout that I could only dream of doing, but I'm shying away from him in favor of a bigger role for Tony Tony Pollard. And as for the wide receivers, I do like Michael Gallup because he's the cheapest value, and to me it's Dak Prescott's season. Tell me what you think here about the Cowboys' fantasy value heading into 2021. I think I I'm tend to agree with you. I want pieces of this offense, especially in the passing game, uh, because as much as we know that you know they've paid Zeke all this money and they can't get out of it, and you know that yeah he looks you know we're in best shape of his life season. Yeah, their defense is still a Greek tragedy, so they're going to have to pass the ball because they're going to be behind you know or at least in games. And we saw last year that Dak Prescott was able to prop up all these viable fantasy options because they were so bad on defense, and that hasn't changed. You know, yeah, you can, you know, oh, oh, Mike Nolan's gone. It's Dan Quinn. Yeah, we call that polishing a turd. You know, it's still <laughs> the same crappy plays. So, I, it's, Zeke wasn't good last year, but he was good enough when uh, Dak was there. But that's because everyone was, you know, everyone was eating. You know, the ball boys were getting, you know, were, were you know, were yeah. worthy of flex consideration. So, I think I, I want pieces of this offense. The cheapest one, obviously, as you say, for a wide receiver point of view, is Michael Gallup. Uh, I think FFPC ADP at the moment he's like wide receiver forty two. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind that. As someone who can is going to be a wide receiver three with occasional visits into wide receiver two territory. Yeah, that's fine because if you want uh, Amari Cooper, if you want CD Lamb, you're gonna have to pay for him. And then I think there's the you know the in the in doctrine at the moment in fantasy is stacking. So yeah. I just I just think that if you're gonna be you know forcing a stack with if you're gonna take Cooper or Lamb. And Zeke, I don't know. Depends on how you how, uh, what your preference is. You might be trying to push to get Dak Prescott, and I just worry that a cheaper and easier way to do that is go Dak, get all the wide receivers, and then have Michael Gallup or even Blake Jarwin, assuming he comes back and plays the role this year that we all thought he could play last year. Don't forget, folks. Go to the Rotoviz Game Splits app if you need to. Five games, Dak Prescott, and he did not complete that fifth game last year. 371 passing yards per game. Total of 2.4 touchdowns rushing and passing. Only .8 interceptions, 30.4 fantasy points per game before he got injured. So please understand that Cowboys offense should be clicking. And as Neil eloquently said, the defense has a ton of question marks. So we're in lockstep there. I don't know if we're going to be a lockstep with the Giants. For some reason, Neil, everyone is now, the pendulum has gone too much into if you are an armless mannequin that runs, you're a great fantasy quarterback. Yet, Daniel Jones is being ignored. Is it because he tripped against the Eagles in the 70-yard scamper? On I guess it was Monday Night Football. I don't know. I kind of see Daniel Jones as a value. Barkley's back. Whether he starts the year or not, I don't care. And I think Evan Ingram is being forgotten about just because tight end is tight end is a wasteland. Daniel Jones, Evan Ingram, am I making sense? Is there another value here for the Giants? See, the worry that I have with Daniel Jones, well, one of several worries I have. The first one is that he isn't very good, which, you know, straight away is it's a bit of a deal breaker. The problem that we have is that, and as you mentioned, he did have that infamous, you know, oh, I fall and I can't get up moment against the Eagles, yeah. is that he is somewhat mobile, so he is liable to take off and run himself. Now, when Saquon Barkley first came into the NFL, second overall, <laughs> I still laugh, it still makes me uh, chuckle every day. What did he yeah. have? He had a statue at quarterback who was more than happy to dump it off to his running back. We don't have that now. We have Daniel Jones. And, you know, that rookie season for Saquon, it seems like a long time ago. Now, obviously, he had the season after that. He was hampered by injury. He wasn't as effective. He missed the whole of last season with injury. He may not be ready for week one. And we have a quarterback who might not feed him the ball. He worries me. Of the big four or five running backs, he really worries me. Fitness is one thing or whatever. I'm not interested in him in 2022. That's not my concern. I'm worried about him for this year. Daniel Jones, as I say, I mean, touchdown regression, you'd have to think, is going to hit the Giants in a big way. As they only scored 25 touchdowns last year, the same number as the Jets. 
Now, if you're level or, you know, equal or just a little bit ahead of anything the New York Jets did in 2020, you're a bad team. <laughs> so it's, he could be a value, but I think it's one of those that, you know how some people say, I like him in best ball. For quarterbacks, you get a similar type of thing. It's, oh, I like him in super flex, which means if I play normal one quarterback league, I don't want any part of him. But, you know, if I'm playing super flex, you know, two quarterback leagues, yeah, as a second quarterback, he might be better because he does have the slight Konami code appeal. But if am I going to run out and draft Daniel Jones every chance I get, then come home and tell my family I had a good day at work? No, I'm probably not. Evan Ingram last year was targeted an awful lot and dropped the ball an awful lot. Now, we know drops don't matter until they do. Why receiver drops don't matter? Because you'll just get another one. When you're the tight end and you're not a real tight end, you're the receiving tight end and you can't be trusted to catch the ball. I don't know. I, I think that where he's going in drafts, I find myself looking at other positions and saying, I'd rather wait. Usually I have to wait until like 30 minutes in to get a soundbite for the little snippet I put on Wave on Twitter. Uh, we just got three right there with the Giants. If you're if you're equal or near anything with the Jets, that is obviously a problem. Go to Washington. My thoughts on Washington is Terry McLaurin is going to eat like crazy. It's Antonio Gibson season, which I talked to Ian Hart about last week. I think Fitzpatrick is super reliable. Am I wrong there? Is it too much value in Washington? See, I want to hate everything Washington do with the intensity of a thousand suns, but I find myself not being able to this offseason because it was great last year when it was McLaurin, Logan Thomas, and that was it. Whereas, you know, you couldn't really trust the quarterback because as much as Alex Smith was a great story, it wasn't good to watch. It was like one of those films that you're happy to you're happy that it happened, you just wish you hadn't watched it. Ryan Fitzpatrick who comes in, why do we love Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because he just doesn't care. He's going to throw at you if you're open. He's going to throw it if you're double covered. He's going to throw it if you're on the floor. If he wants to get you the ball, he's going to try and get you the ball. And for as much, I'm not going to say abuse, but for as much people like to, you know, crap on Ryan Fitzpatrick, since he went to Tampa Bay, you look at his production from a fancy point of view, he's been exceptional. And he, you know, this is, and he's been playing, it's not as if he's been playing on Super Bowl caliber teams. You know, he played on, he did spot duty for the, the Bucks. He then went and was very good in a year and a half with the Dolphins. He's now got two excellent wide receivers, you know, in Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. He's got a tight end who showed last year that he can be trusted. He's got a good running game with a running back, you know, two running backs who really can operate in the passing game. J.D. McKissick wants to be an every-down running back. Yeah, I want Natalie Portman's phone number, J.D. I'm not getting it. <laughs> Um, so I just think that say, Terry McLaurin, you're going to have to pay to get him, but everyone else is a screaming value, especially Curtis Samuel, who's like wide receiver 40. Yeah, I want a piece of that. And as I say, as much as I love taking Washington players just because how uncomfortable it makes my podcasting co-host, because he's a Washington fan, I actually now want to take them because I think they can help me in fantasy, not just make Mainzy squirm. <laughs> Your beloved Eagles, last one. I have been critical of Jalen Hurts because I thought when we got to a best ball quarterback eight on Jalen Hurts, I thought we were a little aggressive. Now, that is starting to come down, so now I'm starting to get a little interested in where Jalen Hurts is going. I love Dallas Goddard. I think it's Dallas Goddard's season. You wrote a great article on 4 for 4 about him, but I'm struggling with the wide receivers. Is Jalen Rager a bust? Devonta Smith? Where are we going and then Miles Sanders, people seem to just not trust Miles Sanders. There's a lack of faith in him where he's dropping to a ridiculous value. So an intriguing Philadelphia team that I need you, Neil, to help me straight out because I think there's some value here across the board. One of the biggest myths in fantasy football that seems to be going round is that Miles Sanders was underused by the Eagles last year. No, he wasn't. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I was going to say I hate to burst bubbles. Then I remembered, no, actually, that's what I live for. <laughs> His opportunity share was very, very healthy. He was just an absolute disaster in the passing game. He couldn't catch. He couldn't pass block. So the Eagles couldn't trust him, which was ironic. Well, it's not ironic. It's odd because the year before, he caught 50 passes. So all of a sudden, he's gone from one extreme to the other. He ran very well. He did have a few games where he had very large runs and then didn't do an awful lot else. But he was good 
as a runner, but he was a you know he was a car crash in the passing game. Now the problem that we have is that Jalen Hurts again has that is the mobile quarterback. Is he going to be able? Is he going to be able and comfortable dumping the ball off to his running back? If he is, then Miles Sanders at running back twenty, you'd have to say is a value. If Sanders though shows he can't be trusted in the passing game, then that, we're going to have like Kenneth Gainwell or Boston Scott who's not going away. That's going to impact Sanders because basically he's going to have to get there on the ground and with touchdowns. And this could be a bad team. I don't think anyone would be surprised if the Eagles were terrible in 2021. I'm already girding my loins for this being the worst Eagles team I've ever seen. And I remember Mike McMahon quarterbacking them. Wow, wow. Um, so, as I say, Dallas Goddard at the moment is the most is the receiver with the most pedigree. Yeah. He's also shown that in the past, when Zach Ertz has missed time, Goddard is an every-down player. So if he's going to be on the field, then you have to like the fact that he's going to catch passes as well as being an impact player in the blocking. Neil, is Zach Ertz going to be traded? What is going on with Zach Ertz? Why Zach Ertz is still on this roster, I have no idea. You, you, only Howie Roseman can tell me why. It's a bit unfair because Zach Ertz is... I've, I've, from In terms of the big three tight ends, he was up there for a while, but he got there on volume. He was never as dynamic a receiver as a Kelsey or a Kittle. He was never as good a blocker as those two. He just got fed. And, you know, he's I think he's only like 30 receptions short of the Eagles' all-time franchise record, wow. which I thought if he'd stayed healthy last year, he'd have blitzed by. So where's the respect here for this type of player that he's still on the roster now? And don't tell me you're waiting to see what you can get from him. You've got no salary cap because it's been mismanaged, as with many things on the Eagles roster. If you know, give him permission to go and find someone, and if he can't, release him. Let him go and pick somewhere to go. Let him go and annoy Buffalo Bills fantasy managers who think Dawson Knox is going to bounce back this year. Yeah. Let him go and annoy the Chargers with Jared Cook. Do the right thing by him and let him go. If you look, Neil, on the on the game splits app, and you look at the 105 games Zach Ertz has played with Philadelphia prior to 2020, so I'm going to throw 2020 out. The guy has averaged five receptions, 13 fantasy points per game, basically 55 yards on seven and a half targets. And he had a run there for a while. If you take his look from like 2000, I don't know, let's say 2015 to 2018, he was catching six balls a game, 15 points, almost had a half a touchdown, just old reliable, but you're right. We, we got to move on. And is Zach Ertz's departure or his sort of tailing off here, does that mean more targets and more fun for Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, or other? I think it's, at the moment, the target, target totem pole in Philadelphia should be Goddard, Devonta Smith, Rager. Travis Fulgham. Maybe okay. Travis Fulgham. Uh, wow. And then maybe a running back. But the, the thing is, that in Devonta Smith's favour, and this is a knock on Jalen Rager, is we haven't seen Smith fail yet. Whereas that's all we saw last year with Rager. He was not good. Now, I know that the quarterback play wasn't the best, and the the offensive line wasn't the best, and the team was a bit of a, you know, it was a bit of a Greek tragedy itself. But there was a big knock on Ted Ginn back in the day that he could find any situation you gave him and he would run out of bounds. And Jalen Rager had a little bit of that. You know, the, what it was there's another five yards, Jalen, make him mi- oh no, we'll, we'll okay, we'll 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 stop the clock, we'll take it there. And I, it's it was a worry. Whereas Devonta Smith, you know, comes in with the storied college career. Yeah, we don't know what his real uh, speed how yeah. speedy yeah. he is, how athletic he is, how truly big he actually is, but we haven't seen him fail yet. And Philadelphia, as, as you know, as you know, is such a forgiving yes, overall city. Yeah, uh, yeah they're more than happy to uh, forgive Jalen Rager for what he didn't do last year, and we'll start again this year. No, no, they're ready to move on to Devonta Smith and total new coaching staff. This is the they picked. You know, we, we would assume Howie Roseman picked Devonta Smith with this coaching staff in mind. So maybe they're going to want to use him. But I don't think Jalen Ray is dead. I just don't think he's going to be the lead wide receiver. 85th percentile per player profiler, college target share for Rager, 447 speed, 98th percentile burst score, 
first round draft capital. Who knows? But Devonta Smith, there certainly going to get his chances because he is selected now. He is part of the new coaching staff. I want to get your thoughts on some other rookie wide receivers. And I think this is critical because ever since the OBJ season, these rookies can really make an impact. Cincinnati, Jamar Chase. I love Jamar Chase. The shower narrative. Joe Burrow, absolutely. But isn't T. Higgins the one there? For me, it's a start of, okay, while you're getting your feet wet, Jamar, T's done this. He knows what he's doing. He's stepped in. He flashed last year. and At times, he looked like A.J. Green in his yeah. pump. And it's, I think it's one of those that if Zach Taylor stays with Cincinnati, which even if they suck, there's a good chance he will because they're too cheap yeah. to pay a coach not to coach them. I think this is an offense that you want to get a lot of pieces of. So Jamar Chase can be very good. T. Higgins can be very good. It's one of those teams, as I say, they're another team that defense is optional. So they're going to pass the ball a lot. So if you are Chase, if you are T. Higgins, if you're C.J. Uzama even, and, you know, old faithful Tyler Boyd, you've got value this year and maybe moving forward. But I would have got argue to start the season, at least I'd be stunned if T. Higgins wasn't the guy to begin with. I have contrarian blood in me. I think all of us as fantasy analysts do. Most people look at Baltimore and say there's no value in the passing game outside of uh, Mark Andrews. I don't think so. I think Marquise Brown is overrated. I think Marquise Brown is not a one. And I think Rashad Bateman could want to be could be one of the greatest values on the board. Now, Neil, maybe that's just because I love Miles Boykin and I want to and I got burned so many times that I want to be right about one of them. But Rashad Bateman, Baltimore, low passing offense, but talented player. Absolutely. And People can say, you know, that this hurt. When they selected Bateman, it was a major ding to Marquise Brown. Well, not really. It just lets Brown go and do what he should be doing. You know, running those deep routes downfield, occasionally getting the uh, the deep shots from Lamar Jackson he likes to take. You could argue that the selection of Bateman was a bigger blow to Andrews because Bateman wins in similar parts of the field. Now, Bateman, I'd say from people a lot more knowledgeable about college football than me, was a stud, uh, was it Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and helped prop up the quarterbacks there who weren't that great. Could have had Trey Lance, but no, you wanted to play him as safety. Okay, so uh, we'll move on from there. <laughs> Bateman could be, you know, he's not going to have an OBJ rookie season because I really don't think Greg Roman's going to say, ah, screw it, let's drop back 700 times and pass the ball. But he could have value, especially, you know, he could be a red zone presence. He could, you know, he's not going to see 10 targets a game. But could he make the most of the targets he does get? Yeah, we've seen there's plenty of other wide receiver ones on run-first teams. Obviously not as run-first as Baltimore want to be, because no one is. But we've seen that, you know, you can, if you're efficient with what you are given. AJ Brown, we all love AJ Brown because he's never going to get peppered with targets, but he makes the most of what he gets. Rashad Bateman is similar. Not the same type of player at all, but it's a similar situation, I think. So... I poured one out when Bateman went to Baltimore, but in the weeks and months that have passed, I don't hate it as much as I did on draft night. When I think of Rondell Moore out in Arizona, I think of the Sliding Doors movie with Gwyneth Paltrow. Here's why. Christian Kirk, we're on the the end of the Christian Kirk truther status in Arizona. He's going to move back in the slot now. AJ Green there. DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. If Kirk hits as the slot receiver, all of us truthers will unite. But if Kirk really isn't good in the last year of his contract and he bombs, Rondell Moore with Kyler Murray in that offense could really explode. Where are you on the rookie here for the Cardinals? This is the big problem with Rondell Moore. That, and you always hate to use the if he was argument. If he was six foot two, he'd have gone in the first round of the draft. I think, don't think anyone can argue with that with the production, the athletic profile. But, you know, again, bursting another bubble, he's not six foot two. So this is what we have to deal with. He's probably gone to an offense that is perfectly suited to his skill set. The problem is, as you say, it's um, Cliff Kingsbury. There are still serious question marks about him. How happy is he going to be to put in this rookie while he's still got Christian Kirk? while they've spent money, well, sorry, while they've set money on fire with AJ Green, who can only be better than he was last year because he couldn't really be worse. So I worry that Rondell Moore's moment, if it does come, isn't going to come in 2021 and he'll only ever be a complimentary piece. Does that mean we can't get excited about him? No, absolutely not. So I think it's it's weird because it's a good, I like the landing spot. I like the quarterback he's going to be playing with. 
I don't like the situation as I say this sentence, but that could change in weeks, months time. Last one here, Elijah Moore getting a lot of buzz out of Jets camp. That may just be, be the New York media sort of driving the train here. We still don't know anything about Zach Wilson. Very unknown. Denzel Mims is on the side of a milk carton now. Where are you here on Elijah Moore, the Jets? Are you buying it or is this just another example of an overhyped rookie in New York? I'd be a lot more excited about Elijah Moore if they hadn't restructured Jameson Crowder's contract. As they look, it looks like, you know, this is the, you know, the hey, Jameson, this is you five years ago. So instead of just saying, hey, teach, the, teach the rookie the ropes, then clear off. It was a teach the rookie the ropes and then next year clear off. So I think that's going to be, you know, I mean, we don't know. We've not seen this LaFleur's offense. You know, is it what this one? This one's Mike LaFleur. <laughs> he may want to run, you know, run his offense through two slot receivers who look exactly like each other. I highly doubt it. I'm not going to say it can't happen. It's a bit of a question mark about this uh, offense because, as you say, we don't know what Zach Wilson can be like. Competition he faced in college wasn't great, but you know that's you know Matt Ryan wasn't great in college. I think we've been pretty pretty impressed with what we've had out of him in his career. It's just an offense that we there's an awful lot of questions about, and an awful lot of the questions are being asked by beat reporters who've got nothing else to do except fire up a rabid fan base. Uh, in the dog days of summer. So I like more. I just, again, he's another one that, mm, let's see where we are next year, unless Cr- uh, Crowder gets injured or really does just blow get blown past by the rookie. Do you drink margaritas? And if so, salt or no salt on the rim? Um, it's not a regular tipple of mine. I'm going to lie to you. I'm, I'm very old and I'm very boring. Um, <laughs> you're, not, you're neither, but go ahead, fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, one of my problems, salt is a, a weakness of mine on you know in food. I mean, the first time I heard someone say, "Oh, try this," it's salted caramel. I nearly head buttered them, <laughs> saying, "You don't put salt in caramel, you absolute savage." <laughs> I've since come round to the fact that yeah. yeah, you've put salt in this and made it better. So I think if I was to have a margarita, I'd want the salt because if you're going to do something, do it right. Got a question here, Scott, down in Cape May, huge Steelers fan. He thinks the Ben Hate has gone too far. He gets that he's old, but the weapons are fantastic, and they have very high ADPs. You have Johnson, you have Juju, Chase Claypool was great last year. Ebron, you can even argue, he says, is a value in redraft. Why is there such a disconnect between Ben's fantasy value and his receivers? Because one can't be good without the other. This is true. There is some cognitive dissonance between the uh, ADP for Roethlisberger and the other wide receivers. I mean, they're going within seven picks of each other. You know, I think the most expensive is Deontay, then Chase Claypool, then it's Juju. And, you know, granted, last year, Ben Roethlisberger was, I'm going to be diplomatic, absolutely abysmal. <laughs> it, was, it was painful to watch. Uh, funny, but painful to watch. And, yeah, it's unlikely if these we expect these three wide receivers to be borderline wide receiver two threes, well, Ben Roethlisberger then can't be the quarterback 28. It doesn't make any sense. So it's either we think he's terrible, in which case all the wide receivers are overvalued, or we think they're all values and he's undervalued. He's another one now, though, that, you know, I like him in super flex, but I don't like him that much because, I, I, I mean, Juju's stats last year were abysmal. You know, his efficiency numbers, essentially he was getting handoffs. Deontay Johnson, when he was on the field, was getting fed, but he was, you know, he had the high drop rate because he's getting thrown the ball over the middle very quickly. And, you know, that's, you know, that's that's the place they call the pit for a reason. Of the three, the one who you look at and think the most untapped potential has to be Chase Claypool, but he's going to win down the field. Can Ben get the ball to him often enough down the field? I don't know. Uh, Eric Ebron's when I write my streaming piece, you know, for Rotovis during the season, I dare say he'll be a name I'll consider at several points because you know he's 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 almost in the old reliable stage of his uh, career. Um, but I don't like Ben going at quarterback twenty eight, wherever he's going. But I'm not in a rush to go out and get him. So I think that the disconnect is with his ADP. I like where the other quarterback, where the wide receivers are going, sorry. But if they have to turn over to Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins at any point, sell, sell, 
sell, set fire to the house, and don't bother looking at your team again for the rest of the season. 97 receptions, only 831 receiving yards for Juju. That is hard to do. And about the drops of Deontay Johnson, folks, let's realize when you have a player who drops a lot of passes, oftentimes those are the slants, the short to intermediate route passes. Those are not bombs down the sideline. You try catching a ball with a linebacker breathing down your neck over the middle. If that ball is not placed perfectly, it's very hard to catch. So the drops with Deontay is overrated, but I agree. They have never addressed, Neil, the backup quarterback position, right? No. It's 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 almost been like, Ben, you're cool, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Okay, we don't, we'll be okay. You know, we'll get someone, something called Duck Hodges. Yes. Because, it, you know, it'll be okay. And then Mason Rudolph, I think I've got the tools to be a starting quarterback on Madden. Um, because I, I, I've seen you play, uh, Mason, and I hate to bother you. I don't think you have. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, you know, was chased out of an organization that drafted him because he was good friends with the owner's son. And he managed to piss them off within 18 months. They went, yeah, you're, yeah, out you go, son. I threw for 300 yards. We lost, idiot. Out you go. Yeah. So, yeah. This is an offense that it scares me because I don't think it's going to be very good. So I'm, I'm always prepared to be wrong. Never happy that I'm wrong, but I'm always prepared to accept that it might happen. I'm most excited for this question. I saw it on Twitter. The land's end to John O'Groats challenge. 874 miles this year. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Uh, starting on January the 1st um, up till yesterday, I have walked 874 wow. miles and it's it sounded so hard at the start. You know, it's, it really sounds like my God, that's a long way. Yeah, because it is a long way. But it was. I go. I say I've been working from home, so I go out on my uh, on my lunch. I have a just a half an hour walk around the village where we live, and you come back and realise, oh, that was two and a half miles. Mm-hmm. Well, if I do that again after work, that's five miles, and then it just added up, and then. The, during the sun, the winter, the, I went for occasional walks with uh, my good friend, um, Michael Chalner, and we'd walk for two, three hours, and all of a sudden, in that time, you cleared 10 miles. Uh, and all of a sudden, it just started to, to mount up. It did look a bit hairy in March when I got tendonitis because I'd been walking too much. Uh, and that hurt like, oh, I mean, I've broken bones. I've had cramp. Uh, I've had, to, you know, bad toothache. This pain was horrible. But, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very pleased with myself. Um, it, it, I, I say it was just part of a, well, I've got nothing else to do. Uh, I don't think I'd be prepared to do the actual walk. I'll just do the mileage. Uh, as I, I, There was a map on the app that takes you through the journey. And it'd be like, oh, I've, I've nearly finished because I've got to Scotland. No, you've still got 400 miles to go. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was it was good. It was enjoyable. It got it meant I could listen to an awful lot of podcasts. Yeah. But as I listened to podcasts at two times speed, anyway, it meant I got to listen to even more. Yeah, same thing. Very honorable, sir. I tip my hat to you. Well done. Very good. I have to get myself in gear when you're doing fantasy writing and research. The exercise often goes to the wayside. So I give you a lot of credit for doing it. And 874 miles is 874 miles, no matter how you want to cut it. Let's go to the Dolphins. I like Tua. I like him a lot. I like Miles Gaskin because I think they were going to take Javante Williams. They admitted as much as they did to the Broncos that the Broncos got up and sniped them. But Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell at the 106. Uh, talk to me about Miami. I like you. I like Tua. I think that last year was a an eye-opening experience for him. He's acknowledged that he didn't really know the offense. That's a problem. He wasn't ready. Um, he didn't, I don't think he thought he was going to go in. Yeah. No, I I mean, I said at the time it was the perfect situation for them because they had the perfect quarterback. They weren't going to win the Super Bowl in 2020. So why not, as the offensive line was young, let that develop, let Ryan Fitzpatrick get the crap kicked out of him because ultimately he was going to go anyway. And then in 2021, with Tua's hip hopefully fully recovered, an offensive line that's gelled with a few additions to make better, add a few more playmakers, and now you can turn the keys over to him. I think there was a serious disconnect in bringing him in. I don't know whether it was ownership. I don't know whether it was the coaching staff. We don't know. So he clearly didn't look ready to run an NFL offense. One thing he did do, though, was he took almost as many deep shots down the field as Deshaun Watson took for Houston last year. What's the common denominator? Will Fuller. Will Fuller showed last year 
He can still win downfield. He stayed healthy last year, then got suspended for PEDs. Take from that what you will. Um, so I like that. I think that Fuller could be um, could be great for Tua to get that out of his game because we've seen speed. It opens up everything for the likes of Mike Gesicki. Slightly worried about Gesicki's long-term uh, prospects because this is his contract year. And they did go out and draft Hunter Long, who's one of the tight ends who came in that I really like. Miles Gaskin was a big winner by not subtraction, but just through non-addition because they didn't bring in any competition for him. Now, if I was to connect the dots, I would say that Miles Gaskin's okay. Saquon Ahmed is okay. Uh, Jared Dokes is okay. But the all-time leading rusher for the Miami Hurricanes is still a free agent. And as I say, I may be wasting a, a, a Scott Fishball pick on Duke Johnson. So why not bring him home, Miami? That's a great. And call. I'm not saying. Oh, that's a great, I loved. I'm with you, Duke Johnson for life. And as, as you say, Duke Johnson could be a workhorse. It's probably not going to happen now. But so what? You know, it's you're not going to. Why? Why run the ball? You've got two. Spread them out. You've got Johnson who can go and play in the slot. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. Who wouldn't like this apart from Miles Gaskin, his fantasy owners? Neil, give me a breakout player or two in 2021. Someone you have your eye on who you think can, you know, really pop this year and be talked about in the first couple rounds next year in fantasy drafts. Ah, the Justin Jefferson caller. Yeah. Um, well, I'd like to say Devonta Smith as an Eagles fan. Don't think it'll happen, um, partly because of the offense that he is in. So I will say that, you know, Dallas Goddard for me, we've all seen that Dallas Goddard yeah. has been good. You know, the, you know, when he has been called upon, he's been productive. He's never had the full-time role all to himself. It's hard to say, it's always hard to spot breakout tight ends because, you know, so much goes into the role. But I think everything is opening up for Goddard. And I say, it's not another, fa- it's not a, I'm an Eagles fan, therefore I need him. I draft him in the Scott Fishbowl, therefore I need him. I just think that everything looks like it could all come up, come up for him. And another breakout is a player that, He's never really break up, broken out, but he's been around for a while. And that's Mike Williams. Yes. This Chargers offense intrigues me. Now, I would love it, of course, if they say, you know, we're going to play Keenan Allen in the Michael Thomas role, you know, that Joe Lombardi is bringing that offense with him. Because Keenan Allen is a joy to watch. He's one of the best route runners in the NFL. Uh, I know reception perception on Matt Harmon. I know he speaks very highly of him because he scored well. But if we're going to really use Mike Williams, you know, and he can score some touchdowns, he can get to a thousand yards. He's in a contract year, so that as you know, the late great Therese Paler used to say, the contract year is undefeated. Well, Mike Williams, you've got your chance now. Go out and earn that money. Get a thousand yards, score ten touchdowns, take this team to the playoffs. So that you know, we'd all like to see because we all love Justin Herbert. Yeah, it's a great, great call. And he could have the Devontae Parker season, Neil, although he's a he's performed better than Devontae Parker did leading up to that big year. But uh, Mike Williams, I, I'm totally in lockstep. If you notice, Neil, I have my Saints hat on. The reason I have my Saints hat on is because I am in, I am clearly in team Taysom Hill. He takes over last year. Look, Jameis Winston was on the team last year. They could have turned to Jameis Winston. Instead, in the middle of a year that they thought they had a Super Bowl chance, they take four games and they start Taysom Hill at quarterback. What does he do in those four games? Overall QB7, overall QB14, overall QB7, overall QB14. Not terrible for someone who had not been a starting quarterback. So in the middle of their big season, Drew Brees' swan song, while he recovers from injury, they turn to Taysom Hill. Now I'm supposed to believe they're going to go to Jameis Winston because of LASIK. I don't think they will. I've put a bet in on Taysom Hill starting week one. But if they do, I think it's going to be Taysom Hill eventually. Am I crazy? It's not crazy. Um, As you say, they had Jameis in the building, um, didn't use him, and then basically said, okay, we'll re-sign you. The conspiracy theory in me thought that maybe if we give Jameis four games, and he passes 300 yards a game, four touchdowns, three touchdowns, whatnot. Okay. He's going to win $20 million oh, okay. at the okay. end of the season. Okay, that's fair. Um, whereas if we just say, no, hold fire, we'll be okay. And then it's, okay, we'll get him back cheaply. And then you've not got Drew Brees, so you've not got that financial albatross around your neck. If he plays all season, throws 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, we'll say 20 interceptions because it's Jameis Winston, then maybe they'll think, okay, maybe we can do business with him. The annoying thing for me is that the New Orleans Saints took 
Drew Brees, a Hall of Fame quarterback off the field when he was still in, technically in his prime for Taysom yes. Hill. So even if Jameis Winston starts, they're going to do of the course. same to Jameis Thank Winston. You. So, you know, so unless Jameis starts hitting 50-yard bombs to you know Traquan Smith or Adam Troutman or Michael Thomas, when they get into the red area and you know where the magic really happens, that's Taysom time. So even if it's not, if Taysom Hill doesn't start straight away or eventually does, he's going to be enough of a factor that makes Jameis Winston's ADP, wherever he's going, it makes it tough to swallow. You articulate it better than anyone I've had on. 70 career starts for Jameis Winston, 88 interceptions. If they took Drew Brees off the field, they're going to take Jameis Winston off the field. And if he starts to turn the ball over, this is going to be Taysom Hill's team shortly. So what I did, Neil, is I've taken both of them in some of my best ball drafts, figuring I'll just take them both if I go hashtag late, you know, wait on tight end here. Because I think there's value. I mean, they're going so cheap at this point, but you're right. They get to that goal line, it's going to be Taysom Hill time. Can't argue with that. Give me something you can't wait to do now that COVID is starting to be in the rearview mirror. Um, can't wait to do um, talk about anything else. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, one thing that I—it's not something I did regularly anymore because um, I live a bit further away from my—I was going to say friends. I think more just people who've tolerated me. I've only been drunk twice since last February, um, and I—it's—I've got to the stage where I want to wake up the next morning and wish I was dead. <laughs> That's how badly I want to be drunk. Uh, because I've you know, I've had a beer every now and then while I've been but drinking at home it's it's very unsatisfying because you know yes. you've got to clean up after yourself. Yes. Uh, whereas I'd rather spill drinks in other people's houses. Um, so it, it sounds immature, and that's because I am immature. Uh, there's a pub in Liverpool called the Ship and Mitre. I've been once, as I say, in eighteen months. I want to go back there. It's it's not fair. I, I need to go back there. And they need you back as well. You have a favorite video game you played growing up? There was a game. Um, it was quite controversial at the time. It was called Cannon Fodder. Uh, it was a. It was very very basic graphics. You looked at it from the top. You were looking down on it, and it was a, an army game. And basically, you had little military. You had four little soldiers. They had to send off to blow things up or whatnot. And if they survived the mission, they got promoted. Um, mm -hmm. If they died during the mission, at the end of it, you know, the cutscene, there was like a role of honour that played, and it was really sad music. And it was, oh, I can't remember the, uh, the people's name. There was always one level, and you'd had this person since the first mission, and, you know, th then he died. And, you know, it was generally quite moving. They also had an incredibly catchy theme song that, again, was controversial at the time. Uh, it was called War. Never been so much fun. <laughs> wow! Uh, you can you can find it on YouTube. It's it's quite catchy. It's ridiculously basic. It's late eighties, early nineties, uh, like eight bit stuff. But it was so addictive. Uh, now, obviously, you know, as we got older, we have you know Call of Duties, Grand Theft Autos, and whatnot. But this was like the first real shooting game I ever played, and it's had a special place in my heart ever since. Well, you just named the podcast Ben Roethlisberger Cannon Fodder. I mean, that you know, you're tying it off with a bow here. Let's go to NFC North talk. You had a great pod with Paul Manwaring on the Waxing Lyrical podcast. He uh, pretty much put you on the couch and got a deep dive on the NFC North. So I want to grab one player from each team and get your thought here. Folks, definitely listen to it if you haven't already. David Montgomery with the Bears was a league winner, but benefited from a very easy schedule. Where are you on Monty this year now that Damian Williams is in town and Tariq Cohen is back in Chicago? The whole offense worries me because as I, I got this horrible feeling that the coaching staff think they can get by with Andy Dalton, which you know is staggering in 2021. But David Montgomery, as you say, he's not going to have the backfield all to himself. If it's Andy Dalton, he might get some checkdowns. If you know Tariq Cohen isn't ready, and if Damian Williams is, it's been two years since we've seen Williams. The last time we saw him, he was epic in the Super Bowl. Um, so it could change. If Justin Fields comes in, we know that Fields is athletic, and I hate to but hate to bang the drum continually for this narrative. But athletic quarterback checking down to running backs, he may lose the running back, the rushing work there. I worry about Montgomery because, as I say, he was great for those last four games. He'd been decidedly ordinary for the you know the 30 games he played before that. So running back 20, if I can get him as my running back three, I'm ecstatic. Running back two, I'm still a little bit nervous. My wife has these premonitions, which I've been able to cash in on in fantasy football, i.e. Victor Cruz, 
i.e. Miles Austin. She'll just walk by and say a name. Harvard got their first win in the NCAA basketball championship back in 2013. She predicted it. She looked at me, we're getting ice cream the other day, and she goes, who's Darnell Mooney? So what do you think? Possible? I, it could happen. Um, I say we've got Alan Robinson there, who we know is a stud. We know should command targets. We also know he's got a massive strop on and doesn't want to be <laughs> in Chicago. They need to start looking for someone else. Now, Mooney showed last year that he could win downfield. Is that a help for when, when you call back Andy Dalton? Probably not. But if it's Justin Field, we know he's got the arm, may take a few deep shots. I'm not saying Darnell Mooney's going to come out and be a wide receiver one, but he could certainly be a competitive wide receiver three, occasional wide receiver two. I don't hate the talent. I hate the situation because I'm just not a, I'm not, not a fan of the whole team. Call me bitter uh, because I've been to Chicago, which is one of the few American cities I have visited, and I love the place. So it pains me to say it, your team sucks. Another team that I'm not high on is Detroit, but I find that fantasy drafters start tricking themselves into thinking veteran QBs can be okay. This is a commentary on Jared Goff. I don't like Jared Goff at all. I think he's going to be the emperor's clothes now that he's not with Sean McVay. He's got no weapons out there. No offense to Terrell Williams, okay? But there are people who are saying, now, wait a minute, he was pretty good with the Rams. The Lions aren't going to be very good. They have to pass a lot. Maybe he's undervalued. What say you? No. Thank you. If, if you enjoyed any fantasy goodness from Jared Goff over the last three years, take those memories and cherish them uh, because it's not going to happen here. Yeah, volume. Yeah, you know, garbage time, negative game script. Yeah, it's going to be garbage time for a reason. And Jared Goff will be one of the reasons. He's the classic that their offensive line is still something of a work in process. That's fine. While it's gelling, let them kick the crap out of Jared Goff and then take a quarterback next year. You know, while Penny Sewell is getting his feet wet. As you say, who's he throwing it to? DeAndre Swift? That'll be nice, but can we trust Anthony Lynn to use him properly? Mm-hmm. I think TJ Hawkinson could be a monster this season, mm-hmm. but this team's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. So, I mean, how many balls is TJ Hawkinson going to seriously have to catch? to be the overall tight end one if he's not scoring touchdowns. No, it was it was nice, Jared. Uh, I'm sure you're a lovely fella. You know, any, you know, all or nothing or hard knocks or anything we've seen you on, you come across as a very, very nice chap. Do not come anywhere near my fantasy team or there will be trouble. And I have a, a man crush on Irv Smith, but I'm getting a little concerned with Mike Zimmer's talk. They asked him about Irv Smith's role decipher whether this is just coach speak or there's something to it. He said he doesn't see Irv Smith's role changing much now that Kyle Rudolph's with the Giants, but he loves Tyler Conklin. What do you think, Neil? There's the worry that Tyler Conklin is the type of tight end that Mike Zimmer would love, you know, that he will go out there and stick his face in a fan. You know, you know, he'll yeah. happily, kick some, you know, he'll kick someone. Whereas Irv Smith's a bit more like, uh, I'll block, but I'd rather go run a route. Yeah, we saw last year in like the last four weeks when there was no Kyle Rudolph, they played the exact same game, same snaps, same routes, same targets, same yards. I think the only difference was in those last four games, Irv Smith caught a touchdown. That was the only difference. This is a team that's going to run the ball. We know that. My God, do we know that? And it's a narrow passing tree. You've got Justin Jefferson, who should be a beast. You've got Adam Thielen, who I worry about in fantasy Agreed. because so much of his work last year was touchdowns. And I don't know how sticky that's going to be. I like Irv Smith as a player. I just think that as long as Tyler Conklin is there and they want to hashtag establish the run, he's going to have boom or bust weeks and they're going to be so hard to pick. My friends always make fun of me. They said a nightmare for me would be if I had snakes on a plane, the old movie. That's my like ultimate fear combined. Just crash the plane right now. You are on fear factor. Is there anything you wouldn't do? I don't like jumping between things. Um, I have glass ankles. Um, even, you know, I worry that if I land wrong, I'm going to buckle and, you know, ankles are going to snap and whatnot. Um, so anything that would involve like jumping over buildings, especially, yes, yes. You, you can get the out of here, quite frankly. <laughs> One of my, um, it, it's funny you mentioned snakes on a plane. One of the more stupid and pointless afternoons I've ever spent in my life was me and two of my friends uh, were trying to think of equally outrageously titled sequels. Um, so we had things like uh, giraffes on a pedalo, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, sheep, sheep on a sheep on a train. You know, yes. and, and we went on for hours, and most of them were ridiculously random. But giraffes on a pedalo, 
Um, you know, hearing Samuel L. Jackson say, you know, get these, you know, MFing uh, giraffes off this MFing pedal would be, you know, I, I think it would be the crowning piece of his career. Next time you come on, that's going to be the name of the title of the podcast. Do you have for dynasty rookie drafts, Neil, is there like a round three or later pick that you like that you think can make an impact this year? Last week, we ended up having Ian Hart. It's only said Josh Palmer with the Chargers. What do you think? I like Josh Palmer. Uh, I'm not going to argue with Ian there at all, but I like Anthony Schwartz uh, yes. on the Browns. Yeah, good. Uh, I think he has a, a different skill set to the other players there. They can get out from under the Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry deals this season, at the end of the season. Schwartz, is, I don't think he profiles as he's going to be a 150 target player, but he's gonna. he looks like he could have that type of impact that a Deshaun Jackson in his prime had. Uh, mm-hmm. or Beckham back in the day uh, before he needed to be force-fed. So I think where you can get him, um, you're not going to expect much from him this season. Um, but, you know, certainly going forward, I think you can. And I do think that when they play three wide receivers, he could be that third guy. So he could have boom-bust weeks this year. I just think it'll be really, really tough to trust him every week. It's an excellent call because Baker Mayfield had a pretty solid year and we forgot about those two or three games where the weather conditions were absolutely abysmal. So his stats were really affected. And he definitely, you could see Schwartz being one of those guys who pops if you get him on the right week. And Neil, fastest hour around. Last question that I'm getting you out of here. Bold prediction time, my friend. No one has anything on Neil Dutton. What do you got? It's, I just, I, I, want to, I want to believe, so I will say this, and that is that the Los Angeles Chargers will win the AFC West not the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, good one. This is good. Yes. So you like the new coaching regime? New coaching regime, talented um, you know, talented players on defense, just enough playmakers on offense. And, you know, obviously in when it came to a shoot comes to a shootout, I don't think they can really keep up with, in terms of points with the Chiefs. But which of those teams defensively do I think could make a few plays, could make a stop? I think I like the Chargers. So while I will always say offense beats defense in the modern era, which I'm so glad we live in, I just think, you know, that if it's going to be one of those, you know, who makes the mistake first, I think the Chargers could do it. Of course, they'll then, you know, they'll then poo their pants in the playoffs, uh, but at least they'll get there. Bingo, folks. Neil Dutton, fantasy football for here at Rotoviz, number fire, four for four, underworld, waxing lyrical podcast. You can find him anywhere in this world hilarious fun fastest hour i've had deal a long time at n dutton 13 follow him on twitter the pleasure was mine you never disappoint i i wish my missus could agree with you <laughs> thank you for listening to rotoviz radio please rate and review the podcast on itunes under the fantasy football mailbag a rotoviz radio feed Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at randallrant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.